0: Hey, like it or not, work is a part of all of our lives, whether it's homework, housework, busy work, or the work that pays the bills. During this series, we're talking about good work. We're glad that you've joined us for this episode, and I wanna encourage you to stay to the end, and I have another message for you. And before you log off, don't forget to check in online by clicking that link in the chat. Thanks so much for being a part of this series. I hope it's an encouragement to you.
1: And we're continuing our series of good works and there's no one really better to honor in a day of, of a series called good works than pastor bill uh, i i want to ask you a question have you ever faced a job that was just too big for you like you saw it and you said hey man that's too much <laughs> right i too much time there's too much work i'm not smart enough and you get in these jobs, and you're like, oh, oh, oh man, I, I just can't do it. See, I never planned on being a pastor in my life. Up will about two years ago, three years ago, however long it's been, I was a landscaper. I know what's nice about landscaping. You can just come to that job and be like, you know what? Don't want to do it. Right? And then there's the occasions, actually, Dan will remember this, that you take on jobs that are bigger than you should do. And you happen to drop a tree on a high-tension power line, and you happen to get blown off a ladder... And you happen to like six yards on fire and you just happen to knock out half the power of Potsdam. And when you get home, your wife is like, where have you been? What have you been doing? I was like, did the power go out? She's like, yeah, well, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> and, and we get in these situations, these jobs that we get too, too big for us to handle as pastors but you know, the NFL and the NBA, uh, like the Major League Baseball, it's like welcome to the league moment. Like you're here and like the for NFL or, or football, it's like you just get popped in the face with a tackle or something. Or for Like baseball, the dude hits a home run off you and you're like, holy smokes, what I get into. Well, for a pastor, as a guy that was doing landscaping, that moment was when someone asked me to go and do a funeral. I'm like, you all know what you're asking? I don't own a suit, right? I still watch YouTube the time my ties. Right? Like, I was, I I don't know if you really want me to do this. And, of course, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So what do I do? Absolutely, I'd love to. Right? And now I'm over my head because I'm like, there's no way I could do a funeral. And so the point is that God doesn't call us to do it alone. And Pastor Bill, I thought, well, there's a guy that's done about five million funerals. He'd be a great guy to talk to. So I go up, and there's this big smirk. I'm like, Pastor Bill, man, I don't know what you do. No, he said, he's like, you just step into it, Alex, and God will take care of you. I was like, well, it helps. And then Bill walked alongside of me as we did our, this first funeral. He sat down with the family with me, and we went through everything that I was terrified to do. And Bill was showing me that it's not really knowing what to do. It's knowing who's going to get it done, and it's not you. It's God. And just taking that faithful step into it. And the passages he loved to use in the sermon was John 14. And the first verse of John 14, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples leading up to the days that Jesus is going to be crucified. The ones that loved and spent time with Jesus all this time all of a sudden are about to lose everything they had. Their hope, Jesus Christ. And he comes up to him and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. And Bill was made sure he told me. He's like, that's a command. That's not a suggestion. That's not a thought. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believed in God. Good. Believe in me also. And he goes on in chapter 14 to talk about how I go to prepare a place to you, for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It's good for me to leave. And he, he's saying, guys, it's going to be tough. There's going to be moments you lose people you love. There's going to be moments when you face trials and hardships in your life. But I'm with you. And I'm in control and I got a plan. And I believe it or not, I'm working all things out to the good. And it's better for me to go than to be here. And he inspired me in that moment like... And and even more times as we we walk through each other, and it's just been such a great resource for me as a younger, or I'm not young anymore, I guess. I'm new, right? A newer pastor that reminds me, I need to take my glasses out of my pocket because I'm going to need them in a second, right? (laughs) But it, it just reminds that when we face a challenge in our life, that God doesn't call us to do it alone. When we face a good work that's hard, a season that's hard, God doesn't call us to do it alone. In this Good Work series, we've been seeing the good work that God set before Nehemiah to do and how he got it done. So the title of the sermon is Good Works Finish the Job. I kind of scratched that. All right? Now it's no good work is done alone. And we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15, 7 through 4. And before we do that, I'm going to pray one more time because I need some help. All right? Dear Lord. We thank you so much for who you are and that you promise to never leave us or forsake us. That you promise you'll be with us. Lord, we thank you for Bill. We thank you for that example that he set, Lord. I ask that your word go forward, the encouragement goes forward, the hope that's found in you go forward. And this just be a a great time of encouragement, uh, of appreciation, and just thankfulness for who you are. In your name we pray, amen. So as we get in there, we we sort of catch up to Jerusalem in the 90% club. How many of you all know what the 90% club is? My wife thinks I'm a legend at the 90% club, right? I get the job done about 90% of the way it's done, and then it sits there forever, right? So so Jerusalem, Nehemiah's coming back, he's building these walls. They had built a temple in there 80 years earlier, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the wall. We'll get to the wall. I mean... If he got 80 years, I should at least get six months, right, to get to the project done. But they're in this stage, and the wall is built, and the door's not hung. They're at the 90% of the way. And there's problems that come with this 90%. I'm going to confess to you, two of my biggest problems in life happen at night. And it involves one, a cat that keeps trying to get in my bed. It's not my cat. It's my wife's cat. I don't want my wife's cat. Right, and and we bought this house and we fixed it up and we fixed up most of it, like ninety percent of it. The ninety, the ten percent is the doors on the bedroom, right? So I got this cat, and I don't know if you have kids or not. I don't know if they change between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 p.m. into like uh, MMA fighting warthogs with cold feet because they come cruising in, just stuffy noses, just beating me up while I sleep and just sticking their cold feet in my wherever stuff, and it's just, who and I was like, honey, we got to fix this. She's like, you know what would fix it? A door. Touche. <laughs> Touche. So that's where we find Jerusalem. They're coming back. The wall's being built, and the, the, but the doors and the gates haven't been hung yet. And here we have it in, in verse 15. It happens. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month of Elu in 52 days. 52 days they got built up. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. And we know the circumstances that went behind building that wall. But if you just came up to a wall, your general response is, "Wow, well, it's probably not, wow, God must have built that wall. Well, I've seen some nice walls, some good-looking walls. Never have I said that God has built that wall. And here we see the response from the enemies and the nations around um, Jerusalem, and it says that when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own extreme, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. The nations realized that this shouldn't have happened. The time they were in, like 140 years ago, they came through and just crushed this place, demolished it, took all the people and exiled them out, put them under a different reign, and in this reign, if you start building a wall, guess what? That's called rebellion, and the king's going to crush you. So they had to get favor with the king. The nations around knew that. They're like, that, that's not going to happen. Then they were, the Jewish nation, hot mess, okay? They couldn't keep two sentences. Straight. They were just always backstabbing people. Actually, inside, we learned about it the other day, the nobility was taking advantage of the people that were doing the work, and the nations mocked them for it. Don't forget like the logistical nightmare of getting all that supplies. There's a famine going on, all these things. And the nations and the Emmys opposed to Jerusalem are like, yeah, it's not happening. But then all of a sudden, it got done. And the lesson we can learn from this today and apply to our circumstances is that when God calls you to do a good work, he's going to do it with you. When God calls you to do something to give him glory, he's going to do it with you. He don't do it alone. Nehemiah understood this all the way from the beginning of the story we started reading in chapter 1. As soon as he heard about it, he wept and prayed. He prayed to God and realized he did not, in his own strength, be able to do what God had called him to do. And over the last couple weeks as we went through, we've seen Nehemiah's response in In mourning. Today, we're mourning, right? Oh, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. He turns in his mourning, in his brokenness, in his loss, and he turns to God. In need with favor from the king, he doesn't say that the king gave him everything he wanted because he was a great guy. He said this, and he gives success to your servants today and granted him the mercy in the sight of this man who delights in the fear of your need. God gave Nehemiah favor with the king. And Nehemiah turns. He comes up to another obstacle, another challenge in this work that he's called to do, logistical needs. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of who? My God was on me. Not the king, he realized who was doing the work was god opposition and mark- mocking they like there's no way you can get this done what well, you feeble Jews i think they say if a fox runs on your wall it's going to fall down what good are you guys at all well it's not us Nehemiah's like it's not me doing the work the god of heaven will make us prosper and his servants will rise and build in the face of taunting he turns to god When he needs wisdom on what to do under attack from the enemies, he turns to God and we pray to our God to set a guard, a protection against them day and night. When morale is low, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's saying there's an obstacle coming, there's a hardship coming, there's a sorrow coming. Turn to God. When something goes right, even when it goes right, turn to God, Josh and I. We haven't talked a whole bunch because we can't get through a conversation too well right now, right? But he's like, you know what's cool to see God in? He's like, right now that you're preaching. He's like, a couple weeks ago, you out of nowhere, which is an act of God, said, hey, why don't you let me preach? Right? A landscaper asking to preach. I don't know. And I get there and he goes... And it was God's timing that this was already set up for you to preach in this time so I can go take care of what I can do, need to do. Like, even in the sorrow, he sees what goes good. He gives it back to God. Being outnumbered, our God will fight for us. Being oppressed and people just, just being awful to each other. They say, fear the Lord. For daily provision, he relies on God. And for strength, but now, oh God, strengthen my hands. And this is the thought, and this is the point that we can take away from today. Nehemiah understood this. If I'm the only one, I'm done. Right? The good work that God's called me to do, if it's on me to get it done, forget about it. I can't do it. Put a fork in me. I'm not saying I'm going to get it done and actually complete it. I'm saying I'm toast. I can't handle it. But with God... I've already won. Guys, we are not designed to carry these burdens ourselves. You want to know where anxiety and fear and stress and everything, it's because you live in a broken world and you're not designed to go through it by yourself. It's broken. You're supposed to be in relationship with God. And here, that's what he's saying. He's saying, whatever comes your way, if you're trying to do life on your own, got bad news for you. It's not going to work out. Maybe for a season, but ultimately it's not going to work out. But if you have God, no matter what the obstacle comes in your life, no matter what the good work God has called you to go through, and morning's good work too, God, when you have God, you've already won. Look at a couple of these verses. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. That's the guy who I want in the battle with me. The one who can divide time and says, there is nothing on this earth that can stop my will and my purpose from being accomplished. No death, no sickness, no no trials. Nothing can separate that. Now to, who him, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work with us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. We can't even imagine how much power, how much ability God has. Like when I was cutting that tree down, you know what would have been nice? Bucket truck. It would have been pretty sweet. Right? Get up there maybe not hit the, hit the, the bucket, the, the wires. You know what God could have done? He could have been like, how about that tree just be gone and no cleanup, right? And with God, He is able to do so much more. No matter what the trials, no matter what the obstacles, no matter what the grief is, the most you can imagine, he can do more. And we take confidence in that today, not only that his purpose is gonna be taken care of, but he has the ability to do it. And, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You don't know how you're going to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes you're so sad. It's possible with God. You don't know how you're going to be able to reach that extended relative for Christ. All things are possible. You don't know how you're going to reach your neighbor down the street. Well, you probably should just go and talk to him. But all things are possible with Christ. No matter what the obstacle in your life, what you start to realize and what Nehemiah realized, the good work that God has called me to do is not in my own power. It's in God's. And to be honest with you, most of I, us kind of understand this. Like I understand who God is somewhat. Somewhat right? Like, I've seen outdoors, I've seen the creation that he made. I understand he's powerful. I've heard the story how he calmed the sea. I've heard the story about he fed the 5,000. I've heard the story of Bill and everything that he's done. I've seen God work through people. I've seen him take care of people. I've seen cancer care. I've seen a whole bunch of stuff. I know God is awesome. That's generally not my problem. My problem is this. Sometimes our biggest struggle is not knowing who God is, but believing God will do what he promises through you. That's the challenge, right? We see people do it. We think you build a day. Man, how did that dude do so much? Where do you have the time? what, What is going on here? It's because he did what God called him to do, and it's just step into it, and I'll take care of the rest. And so today, as we think about that, are we trusting God to do what He promises through us? The great example of this and the visual picture I always get is Peter. right? Peter and the disciples are in a boat and they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee. They left Jesus behind to pray. And they're in the storm and the waves are raging, the wind is blowing, right? The storm just comes upon them, and all of a sudden and Jesus decides to walk on water because he's Jesus, right? Walks out to the boat. Now, not only are they scared of the waves, the wind, and the storm, but they're also scared of this guy walking on water. He said, Who are you? Jesus, if that's you, call me out. Jesus says, Come on with it. He said, Let's go. And so Peter starts walking to God. He's walking on water. And then all of a sudden, he starts to think, man, that wave's big. That wind's howling. This water's cold and deep. And all of a sudden, he's starting to look at the troubles around him, and he takes his eyes off Jesus. He never doubted who Jesus was. Just in that moment, he doubted that Jesus was going to do what he promised through him. And it began to say, And that's the same thing with us. When we face the good works or face what God has called us to face, whatever it is in your life that you're coming up to, we struggle with believing that God is going to do what he promises us in a situation. When we face mourning, it hurts. I'm not saying the waves aren't real. I'm not saying the pains, I don't hear that. This hurts. This stinks. I don't like it. Jesus doesn't like it, Right? But he's made a way. He's made a way, and he promises to do what he promised he would do through you. He'll take care of it. Here's the guarantees Jesus gives us, or God gives us. I will finish the job. He will finish the job to perfection. If you ever hired a contractor and you're looking to hire someone, this is pretty good qualification, right? Right? You don't want the guy that says, uh, I'm not throwing a fit, the 90% club, right? My wife, she would prefer this husband, not so much the 90% club. But that God promises that no matter what happens, that he will finish. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He promises he'll finish the job. He will never leave you or forsake you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age, Matthew 8, 28. He's going to show up. Not only is he going to get the job done, he's going to be there with you. He's not going to abandon you halfway through. So when you're going through a trouble in life, you're like, maybe my God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, no, he does. Maybe I'm off track or something. I got off the rails. I don't know if he's going to do what he's promised to do and finish the completion. No, he does. Is he here? Oh, he's here. And we hear these guarantees, we hear these promises from God, and we need to take heart in them. He's working it all out for good. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, my good and God's good generally don't line up at the same time. right? God's good is he's shaping me to be the tool he's called me to do to reach people for Christ. He wants to see himself glorified in my life. My good is like health, wealth, and happiness, right? Like I would love a nice big truck. I would love, you know, good knees again. I would love not to be wearing glasses. I would love for my children to have the future I want them to have. I would love my loved ones always to be with me. That's my good. I love there not to be trials and hardships in marriage. I love not to have to struggle with, with sins and addictions. I would love to be able to see hunger stop. I would love it. That's, that's what I want. That's my good. And this is, let's get this right. God never promises it's going to be easy. Actually, he promises you the exact opposite. He says, in this world, there will be trouble. I should have put another one. "In this world, there will be trouble. I'm sh- uh, sending you like sheep among wolves. How's that work out for a sheep? Not so great, except if you have a shepherd. And this is the promise. God is going to shepherd us through all these things. It's going to be hard. The pain's real. But the promises from God is, I'm going to finish it, I'm going to be with you, and to be honest, I'm working it out for good and we take heart in that. And how he does this, how he sends that message to the world, he uses a very special tool. And God's tool is you. God's tool is you. Look at what it says in John 15:16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall abide, so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, He may give it to you. Like, you weren't on the sidelines going, hey, hey, me, pick me, pick me. Right? There was nothing good about you, to be honest with you. And yet, God said, out of all my options in the entire world, there's a good work I'm looking to get done. And you know who's the perfect fit? You. I'm gonna choose you. That means, he knows what he's doing. You can have confidence that God chose you. It's like going to Lowe's and you see the DeWalt and the Ryobi and the Milwaukee and the Craftsman. You're like, what, which one's the best for the job? He didn't say, I'm going to pick the best equipped one for it. He said, I'm going to pick the one that will be shown that it's God doing the work, not that person. And in the same way, he didn't pick you to bear this fruit because you're awesome. You're not. Right? He picked you because you can show the glory of God through you because of him. Right? Pastor Bill, love the dude. What's special about Pastor Bill? Nothing. Nothing. You know what's special about Pastor Bill? What made him Pastor Bill is he was faithful right? It's not that he was this awesome guy that was gifted upon all measure. He was faithful. He said, God promised me this, to go with me, to finish what he's called me to do. He said he'll never leave me, or say he's working for good. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust God. Bam, good work, right? I'm going to step into this situation. Bam, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how to do a funeral, But God's calling me to do it right now. Step into it. Bam. I don't know how I'm going to have anyone any common with that person over there, but I'm going to step into that conversation. It's not because we're special in our own right. It's because of who God is. And this is God's plan to bring his glory to this earth is that you do your good works and let your light shine and point it back to God. Listen to this. In the same way Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why God called you to do good deeds, to do good work, is to point people to Christ. The verse before we talked about he chose you and he appointed you to bear fruit that abides. That word abides means to last. There's fruit that lasts, and we could build an orphanage. And guess what? Those walls are going to come down someday. We can build a wall in Jerusalem like Nehemiah. Guess what? That wall's not standing up anymore. We can feed the clothed and clothe the naked. They're still going to die someday. And God calls us to do all this. Listen to me now. God calls us to do it. He only says about 5,000 times to, to, to take care of the poor and feed the hungry and clothe the naked. He says that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to show love. But it's not just to get that, that physical temporary need always taken care of. We do that and we care for it. But it's to open up a door to show them Christ. That's what lasts. When Nehemiah built the wall, The wall didn't last. What lasted was the glory God got from it. The enemy said, that's not, that's cool, it's a wall. But the one that lasts for eternity was the fact that they got a glimpse of who God was because Nehemiah was faithful to step into what God called to do it and a wall was built. And they said, that's something different. That's something different. And when we shine our light in a dark world, People notice. When good works get done, people notice. Why in the world would you sacrifice your money and just give it away generously? I've been chasing that money my whole life. And you're just going to give it away? Why, why would you show that person grace? Right? They deserve to be punished for that stuff. Why are you selfless? Why, why is your marriage between two broken people still have hope and joy? Why in death can we say we rejoice? And we think about Bill and we think about the work he's done. He just stepped into it a time and time again and God blessed it with fruit and fruit and fruit. And even in his death, the pain's real. The sorrow's real. But we know, especially with Bill, that when he got to heaven, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Dude, that guy's rolling in it right now. (laughs) I mean, he's all this fruit. He didn't build these extravagant. He wasn't the richest man in the world, right? He had a great family. But right now, he is just go, like I mean he's well done. And in this time we're sorry for us, but you know what Bill's doing up there right now? He's going, "What suffering? What trial? What what hardship? Do you guys behold what I'm beholding? I see what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined." Guys, I don't know what you're talking about suffering. I don't know what you're talking about trial. That is light, momentary affliction because of the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And when someone lives their life with good works pointing to God, it brings God glory, and that glory lasts. I mean, when people notice, look, Nehemiah 16, that's what they notice. And they felt greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. That's the good work that lasts. Saying that in my trouble, I trusted God in my marriage. I trusted my God in a divorce. I've trusted my God in raising kids. I've trusted my God through cancer. I've trusted my God in death. I've trusted my God in life. I've trusted my God in finances. Whatever I have, I've trusted God in it. And when you give it to God, he does amazing things. And people go, how in the world? When God does good work, people notice. Look at creation. Are you kidding me? Does anyone realize we're on this big ball of rock spinning like super fast in the middle of space with stuff flying around us and we don't get off anywhere? God designed it like that. Are right, giraffes, are you kidding me? Like where did that come from? That neck is so long. You know how big a giraffe's heart is? It's huge. It has to pump that blood all the way up to that brain. And if it doesn't get up there, right, it's going to pass out. And if it passes out, you know what's around drafts Lions. Lions, right? drafts dead, right? But if it puts its head down towards the water, that heart's going to pump it so bad that brain is just done. But God designed it so perfect that he put a sponge in the back of that brain so that when he, he lifts up his head, there's still blood around it. And when it puts his head down, the blood stops. And more and more you look at creation, you go, holy smokes, look at this God. I don't know Him all. But I know he's amazing. I know he loves me because I love the outdoors, and he created a whole bunch of stuff for me to enjoy. He created my wife, who I love. He created my children, who I love. He created friendships. He created activities for me to do that I enjoy. He loves me, right? And then there's Jesus. What year is it? 2023. From what? Jesus. You want to take notice of something? Divide time by it, right? Jesus shows up like, yep, we better start time again. I mean, that's taken notice. Not to mention the, the prophecies fulfilled, the life lived, the miracles formed. I mean, he changed time, the Bible. Are you kidding me? That thing that you hold in your hand, that's not just a book. That's 66 different books written by over 40 authors in three different languages on three different continents. And yet it dovetails all together to tell this awesome story of a holy, loving God pursuing his broken people so that he can have them back. 40 men getting on the same page, that's not likely. But yet God takes that and he works it together and he shows who he is in his word and what it is. The church, where can a Democrat and a Republican get together and sit next to each other? Only in church. It says, they will be known by your love for one another. All that is secondary to who God is. And when you see that, the world goes, how, how can that be? How can that be? Great clouds of witnesses. We're talking about Bill today. That dude was a witness. His life was a witness. He did. I had him up there with, on this list before, Moses, David, Pastor Bill. <laughs> right? Because he was doing the same work. He did the exact work God called him in, to do in his life that Moses call, God called Moses to do in his life. Just whatever it is to supply my power through you and give me glory. And pastor did that, and that's why we say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then there's you. And like We said this before. I'm not Pastor Bill. You're 100% right. You're better. You're better. God has specifically designed you to do work. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God has prepared beforehand. He has tailor-made you, not only golf club, but actually formed you to be the specific tool to take the hope of Jesus Christ to a broken road. You can take the gospel places, Bill can't. You can take the gospel in situations no one else can. You can have a conversation with someone that no one else can have. You can, you can do a good work. God has given you a heart to see a need, an eyes to see it, and a heart that breaks when you see it. And God shaped you and made you. He uses your past, presence, and future to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And when we see that, and when you do that, and when you trust God and the promises that he makes that I will never leave you forsake you, or I will fulfill, and I'll finish it until the day of completion, you do eternal work. God, good work that lasts eternally are the ones that point God's glory. And God's glory, that's, like a, that's a church word most of the time. It just means like the weight of who God is. The awesomeness of who God is. Just a, whoa. And God uses you and the good works he's called you to do to show people just a little bit of who he is. And when you show him who he is by doing good works in our lives, this is what happens. You get the greatest questions. How? How? How is that possible? How is it that in a world that's chasing money, you give it away? How in a world that gets an eye for an eye, you give grace? How in the world that you love in a loveless world, how do you be selfish when everything is selfful? And you get to tell them. You don't say, because I'm a good dude. You're not. You don't say, I don't know. God's put you in that time for a specific reason. And when they ask you how or why, oh man, y'all, tell them. I love because I've been loved. I can extend grace because I've been given grace. I can be patient because Lord knows he's been patient with me. I can be selfless because Christ emptied himself out on the cross. I can face tomorrow because through Christ, there is no more, there will be a time with no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. And I can have joy in that. And I know that my creator lives. And then you just tell him. And this is what Bill did. Every opportunity is like, you want to hear some good news? You want to hear really good news? You want to hear an amazing good work? It's what God's done for you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. The God, creator of the universe, who doesn't need anything from everyone, just loved you because. And he loved you so much, he sent the one thing that truly pleased him. His one and only perfect son. To come to this broken world, live a perfect life without sin, and die a death that you deserve. And you know what it costs you? Nothing. It's called grace cost him everything, cost me nothing. And he extends it to you. And not only that, after Christ died, three days later, holy smokes, Jesus raised from the dead. You know why Bill's in heaven shouting howl you right now? Because God's conquered death. How good is that? Then no longer the fear of taxes and death in the world, right? At least for death, no longer you have to be scared of it because God conquered it, and He extends it to you today. And when you do that good works, and you say why, they say how, they say whoa. You say you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You'll be saved, and that's God's glory. That's God's love, that's what God sets good works for you to do is to proclaim who he is and that good work lasts there's four responses we're not going to be able to hit this all in the next part of Nehemiah there's four responses to when you see God work four responses when you hear the gospel that we see in these next couple verses, the first one's fear you're telling me there's a God that created all things that's just and loving and it's going to pay due for whatever you've done wrong. And he knows every thought I've ever had, every, every, every action I've ever done, that, and he's going to have judgment. I'm terrified. I'm going to face that God and the people uh, in Nehemiah's day, the nations, they were like, yo, that's something important. And sometimes people hear that and there's good news. He's made a way. The other one is half in, half out. Yeah, I kind of like how that sounds. Like I'm going to show up for church for a little bit. Right, yeah, go Jesus. Right? But I'm still going to be hedging my bets over here. I'm still going to be pursuing this life instead of eternity. I'm still going to be storing up my treasures on earth and not in heaven. And this is the nobles in there. They hear the news about this. All of a sudden, they start backpedaling. As before, when they were just uh, opposed, pretty much, to Nehemiah, they go, well, well, this enemy of yours, he did some good stuff. Like, he's all right. Right? He's like, I want to be good on this side and this side. That's lukewarm. Jesus says, if you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. There's the half-hearted Christian. Then there's the double down. I hate what you're saying, Alex. I hate what the gospel is. I hate that you tell me that there's sin in this world. I hate that you tell me there's a God. So forget it. I hate all of it. In all love, in all compassion, be careful. You're going to find yourself opposing God. And that's not where you want to be. And then there's the fourth. Those who answer the call. The walls are built, the doors are hung, and people are getting behind it. you look looking at, the security got formed, the priests and the, the preachers got taken care of, uh, the people were doing labor. Everyone got on board for this mission to go forth and glorify God. It's disciples making disciples. It's taking what God calls us to do and doing it and getting on board. And today, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and you say, I don't know, I'm kind of scared, but I want to be with Christ. If you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. If you want more information that, you can follow this tab. And then maybe it's the time you're, like, inspired to answer the call. Will you answer the call? God calls you to go be a light in a dark world. God calls you to go do good works so that you can glorify him. And if you're doing that, are you doing it alone or are you doing it with God's strength? Guys, life's tough. It's a broken world. There's awful situations, there's pain and there's loss. But God is bigger than all of that. God promises us to never leave us or forsake us. He says, I have made good works for you to do it, and I'm going to complete it in you, but you need to go. You need to go. So as we close, there's this jar here. And this has been our good works challenge. And it fills with thank you notes from the community about when people from Branch Life are connected. It did a good work just to love them and bless them and point something back to Christ. And there's no better way I can think of honoring Pastor Bill because he's done some eternal work in all of our lives. In this song, and this next time of prayer, if you would just take some time and write down the number one impact Bill has made on your life. Maybe it's just welcoming you to church. Maybe it's doing one of your loved one's funerals. Maybe it's leading you to the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And it'll just be a huge encouragement in a way just thanks. And Bill, I'm telling you, he's beholding glory right now. You guys got to see what I'm seeing. You got to experience what I'm experiencing. But in our gratitude, and in my gratitude to God for that man, let's just say thank you. We're going to sing one last song. And hope. For those of you who have not put your trust in Jesus, I just ask you to witness this hope. For those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I encourage you guys, sing this chorus loud and proud. It says this, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain and there's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, our living hope. Would you stand and sing with us?
0: hope this has been an encouragement to you as we've talked about good that works, good that makes a difference. And I hope that this has made a little difference in your life. We'd love to hear from you before you log off. So go to branchlife.church and check in with us no matter when you're watching this video. I want to encourage you to be a part of our next episode, whether it's online or even in person. And, And I've been praying for you. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next time.